आप सुन रहे हैं वाव कनेक्ट संगम साहित्य और कला का वंस अगेन वी आर हैप्पी टू वेलकम यू ऑल ऑन आर रेडियो चैनल वाव कनेक्ट टू नो मोर अबाउट टूडेज एपिसोड प्लीज स्टे ट्यून इन विद मी नदी एंड मी योवानिका लेट्स बिगिन विद आर इंटरव्यू व्हिच इज विद मिस्टर शिव कुनाल वर्मा टुडे हु हैपेंस टू बी द एडवाइजर फॉर द मिलिटरी हिस्ट्री एंड स्ट्रेटजी वर्टिकल ऑफ द वैली ऑफ वर्ड्स फेस्टिवल इट्स अ लॉन्ग इंटरव्यू सो वी वोंट टेक अप टू मच टाइम वी विल जस्ट बिगिन विद दैट एंड जस्ट सो ऑल ऑफ यू नो ऑन द अदर साइड ऑफ दिस इन कंक्लूजन वी विल बी रीडिंग एन एक्सर्प्ट फ्रॉम द फैसिनेटिंग एंड वेरी एंगेजिंग बुक द एब्सेंट डायलॉग Politicians, bureaucrats, and the military in India, which is by Singapore-based academic Anit Mukherjee, published by Oxford University Press, and we'll have an excerpt ready for you when we see you on the other side. And you're going to be hearing Yuvanika in conversation with Mr. Shiv Kunal Verma in a short while from now. Yes, just my voice again. Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of Vow Connect with the advisor for the military history and strategy sessions, Shiv Kunal Verma. who is an acclaimed filmmaker military historian author his uh, cap has many feathers in it and it would take too long to tell you all that he's done but perhaps we'll delve into some of his work over the course of this interview uh, a big welcome from our side to you sir and thank you so much for joining us today to begin with uh, we'll just start off on a general note how and what have you been doing in this pandemic lockdown situation for the past few months well running after chicks if i may put it that way so <laughs> i've been doing a lot of bird photography in fact this morning i got some uh, blue magpie babies and i'm feeling very pleased with them and uh, i'm up in kulu manali uh, excellent weather and we've been pretty blessed with some very good scenery around us so it's very tempting every morning when the light is good to go out and shoot and otherwise i'm working on my 65 book Uh, which is due out end of this year being published by Alup so i try and work on that in the afternoon and then in the evening and that more or less uh, once up the day in fact it goes too damn fast as far as i'm concerned on behalf of the wow team we must tell you we're very excited for your upcoming book uh, as you said that's being published by a left book company later this year and one of our questions is going to be about that in fact if you like you could talk about that book first and then we can get into the value of words and your association with it well it's actually a kind of a natural continuation of where i finished my 1962 book because um uh david david who is the publisher he asked me to do both 65 and 71 right so 65 i it's it's overdue by almost two and a half years I was supposed to have finished it immediately after uh, in 2017 but it's a very complex war because um, unlike 62 which was fought in Nifa and Labak and it was over just two or three days in fact the title is it wasn't a war uh, but in the case of 65 the fighting initially started in April in uh, Iran of Kutch then from there when they had a kind of a cease the British intervened there was some fighting in Kargil And then of course there is the air force aspect to the whole fighting where the you know nat forces sabers the uh, attacks the various bombing runs by the cantonese the hunters the role played by them the misters so it's a very it's a it's it's a very very complex scenario and 
quality written of over 200,000 words and then you sort of compare that to 1962 which is 135,000 words and a lot of people felt it too long <laughs> I mean uh, I've got a problem here in fact more than me my editor a lady called Pujita Krishnan she's going to have a lot of time no, uh, with this book because fact, it's, it's, just, it's complex I was just going to say that it will be trickier for the editor but a good well you've been an editor so let me, let me share this because uh, initially when my uh, first few books uh, like long road to section and I, I've done about 14, 15 books now right. and every time I used to get like really you know I used to dig in over every comma every full stop everything but then I also sort of began to realize that uh, you know the editor may have a point and I think an editor's contribution to any book for that matter we tend to gloss over it I mean like 90% of us don't even know who the editor of a particular book is you know so, but I don't want her to hear what I'm saying because right now she's going to start editing 65 and I'm not giving her an inch before we start. She's going to battle all over again. It's a bit like Tom and Jerry all throughout, you know, ta 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 bang, bang, bang. Yes, Yohanika, all your views on being an editor yourself. Oh gosh, you knew that would strike a chord with me. I, I actually, I work as an editor and so I liked that he acknowledged the work that the editor does. Because all too often I think that, you know, the final book that you tend to see in your hands, it's hard to see the amount of work that's gone behind it and how much of that work is editorial. So it's always so it's always nice to be acknowledged. I'm sure that his editor would be quite pleased to hear this interview. And um, that's the aspect that I suppose I liked. But what he's talking about, you know, getting a massive manuscript and then having to grapple with it and bring it down to a feasible size of a book, it's quite a challenge, so my best wishes to his editor and his entire team at, uh, <laughs> at LF. Nidhi, what about you? What yeah, well, um, of course, uh, the very vertical military history and strategy that we have in our festival has always struck a chord with me because I belong to that fraternity. Right. Uh, you know, but the very word war still is unsettling and unnerving. You know, it's not a very nice thing to happen. Yes, and of course for you it's such a personal fear and such a personal threat. Absolutely. Because as you said uh, to our listeners, Nidhi is from a long line of army and navy and defense background, so I can completely understand that sense of of fear as you said. Absolutely. So, um, I just want to say one thing, Um, no offense to anyone, but because uh, I feel that no one deserves the title of a hero more than a soldier. Yeah. Though, of course, there are so many people who labor it out and they are hero in, uh, you know, by themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that many people's work can be counted as heroic. Like I, for example, think that the farmer is also a hero. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I, I completely agree with you that the soldier is in laying down his life and uh, we must appreciate that more. You know, we shouldn't just pay lip service to the idea that the soldier is a hero, but we should also create conducive conditions for everybody who joins the defense forces in our country, that they should all be treated with dignity and be accorded uh, the certain respect that they deserve by putting their lives on the line. And we shouldn't just make it, you know, a, a sort of superficial issue. We should really make sure that at the crux of it, we're guaranteeing dignity to everybody. Yes. So, you know, now this reminds me of a a little quote by a young captain who said that, you know, if death strikes before I prove my blood, I swear I'll kill death. You get goosebumps when you see these young boys right there. And uh, yeah, I take it very personally. 
I relate to it very very much. Absolutely, and I can see that. I can see that in in our little studio right now that Nidhi is uh, very affected by this, and as you well should be. And I have I'm reminded of a quote by Nelson Mandela that may work here. He said that I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Wonderful. And on that note, let's get back to the second half of this interview. We're assuming you'll be releasing the book with us at Wow next year, so that's something to look forward to. And we'll of course have sessions dedicated to it. Oh yeah, I mean it'll be a pleasure to release it there because there are going in any cases home, home state from home, home town. Yes. So and then to do it at Wow would be an added advantage because you know over the last year, year or so I've been involved with them and it's been a It's been a learning curve there as well, and that's the most enjoyable one I must say. The, the last year, last year's edition was extremely good. I mean, I, I, I and more than everything else, I, I really enjoyed working with some of the people. You know, uh, Swamika Rawat and uh, Mrs. Chopra. You know, you, you meet so many, and all those children from all those students of Saint Stephen's and who were working as volunteers. It, it just sort of you learn so much from everyone, and it's 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 it's, it's such fun. And what I liked about WoW was that it was not you know only defense centric or this that. It was, it was dealing with a very wide variety of subjects. So every time I got fed up with uh, the sessions we were running, I could just walk across and I, I for example, I attended one of the talks on uh, artificial intelligence, which was uh, the one of the keynote addresses last year. Right. It was absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It, I mean, it, it really had me thinking, and, and it changed a lot of my own perceptions about things. So, it's it's great. Lovely. Well, that is very nice to hear. Really warms the heart. What was the most stimulating conversation or session that you uh, either took part in, or that you had yourself curated, or your favorite panel, or it could be outside of a panel? Generally, a, a conversation you had that stayed with you after the festival. And you can't say the AI answer because we know that the AI keynote address was something you enjoyed. Yeah, that 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 apart. Um, but I have a I have a great day actually, which I've been discussing with Mr. Chopra because you know the, we had seven sessions in security related issues. Hmm. We had some of the uh, most uh, we had absolutely outstanding speakers. I mean, we had Praveen Bakshi, right. who should have been the chief if he hadn't been superseded. Uh, we had uh, Shokin Chauhan, who came all the way down from Nagaland. He's the chairman of the ceasefire group with the Naga thing. We had General Rakesh Mumba. We had uh, General Cardozo. We had, you know, we had, we had the cream. We had the cream. But the why my big gripe was we didn't have enough reach. Actually, you know, uh, it was such a pity that it was limited to the 300, 400 people in that room at that point of time. Yeah, you had people who were talking about things which were absolutely fantastic, and I would like to somehow. And I think it, you know, there's a there's a big opportunity here because of this pandemic. The fact that we have to go online to a great extent, so we should be able to reach all four all four corners of this country with the content that is generated in WoW. Because you know the amount of work that goes into it. We are we we are getting some of the best guys there. We are getting them there. They are investing their time. They are talking about subjects which are, uh, you know, for which they are being handpicked and very carefully we we are selecting them. Uh, there is a tendency in in a lot of these festivals and in a lot of these seminars 
to first pencil in the name and then give them a topic, right? Yes. Because there are a limited number of people, and we tend to, they tend to get recycled. I mean, very often you and I probably come under that category. Yes. But the fact of the matter is that here we are picking the topics and then we are looking for the people. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I think that's a very fundamental difference. Uh, you know, and and we are really uh, this year we are hoping to. It's, it's it's early right now, so we are not. I don't want to you know say that so and so so and so. Though we are we are clear about who we want, but we haven't yet approached them and we haven't yet spoken to them. So uh, we don't want to announce that. But um, again, this year we will be getting we will be getting people and on such topical subjects that they need to be heard, not just within the Doon Valley. Not just within Uttarakhand and Uttarakhand, Uttarakhand and uh, UP and the, the north, but the whole country. Not in and in some of the cases, I would even say internationally. Yes, absolutely. And I am very much in agreement with you that uh, this pandemic situation, by forcing us to go online more, by forcing us to have to engage, is actually perhaps a blessing in disguise. Maybe it's an opportunity in a crisis moment because as absolutely, absolutely. And what we need to do is that this year, you know, whatever we learn, for us. Is Learning curve. Right. Uh, we need to then amalgamate it because we, next year when we come back to a conventional methodology of you know people on stage talking etc. Then it has to be a combination of both. Right. This really value the fact that all these authors they all come here and you know they give us two days of their time and one day even if it's one day of their time because they are they are they're specialists and you know for them to come all the way then then it's our I feel it's our duty to then make sure that what 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 actually transpired and what they say should go to a much larger audience. Yes, I, I absolutely agree, and I think that will be the focus of Wow 2020 is very much to be able to reach out to as many people as possible without being restricted by geography and things. I mean, that is the main issue that we've had. But I am very much in agreement with you, and I hope that this year we'll be able to transcend that and reach many, many, many more people than we have in the past. So again, this is a wonderful conversation because it keeps moving where it's supposed to. Last big question is: What are you looking forward to from the military history and strategy vertical at Wow 2020? Well, we've got seven uh, topics for now. Okay. Uh, and uh, they are all very contemporary. Let me just say that uh, right now I'm not going to say what they are because we are still fine-tuning and modifying. And if some of those people are not available, we may have to fall back on Plan B and come up with something else. Right. So until we've got At least a tentative acknowledgement. Let's not. We will not declare what it is. But the overall thing is, it's all very contemporary. Right. Not only is China centric, definitely, because we are having a lot of problems. Not just now, but you know, ever since this whole problem began, the time the the pandemic began, it was pretty obvious that you know, that things so the world is going to change. And the main tussle between China and the United States for domination of the world order is going to is going to play itself out. And India is going to be a frontline state at that, and it's 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 going as per script. And uh, by the time we come to November, end October, November, the situation will become a lot clearer. So we are keeping that in mind. We are getting some uh, international people also, hopefully, involved in this, um, who are going to be very, very, very important key players in the coming months. And I'm not just talking about India. Uh, we are looking at. Some basic fundamental issues. We are looking at game planning, the whole thing. Most of what, most of the other things that we are looking at is uh, 
is very contemporary. As you said, the critical thinking aspect of this is something at Vow that we are always looking to establish. We're always hoping that through these conversations, through these sessions, we can maybe bring something up that stays with the people who attend the festival. So thank you very much for this conversation. It's been excellent to talk with you. And just as a last note, is there any message that you would like to leave for our listeners? Enjoy yourself. Don't worry about China. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> even if it does, we'll give them a... Uh, I think they made a big mistake in declaring their hostility and their intent towards us. It's an opportunity for us to come together as a country. It's, uh, we need to be completely and absolutely united. And uh, by the time we are in November, the situation will be a lot clearer. We'll be able to probably look back on some of the developments now and then probably anticipate what's going to happen further beyond that. So, wow, I think it will be a... Uh, well, not just wow, the whole country is a platform right now where everybody is looking north towards the Ladakh region. But uh, just remember one thing that, uh, you know, this country has has got a lot going for it and we are all a part of it. And, uh, you know, spotless India now. Make a fresh start. Plain speak and very important plain speak and a very important message for all our listeners. Thank you so much for speaking with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, we're really looking forward to your sessions this year. Thank you, Yuvanika. You have a wonderful time. See you then. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, Mr. Verma. That was indeed insightful. You know, I'm going, I'm actually looking forward to the military history strategy vertical once again. Yes. I always do, <laughs> but more so now. Uh, so am I actually this year. I think the number of contemporary topics that we have, in particular, you know, all these discussions on the Sino-Indian issues that are happening at the moment. Right. I think are bound to be interesting. So I'm also looking forward to those and to meeting everybody who peoples our MHS sessions like the Major General Ian Cardozo, his wife Priscilla, who's incredibly lovely also. And I must tell you here that we might just get him on board if you're fortunate. We'll have an interview with him shortly. I hope so. And then we'll get those interviews to you. And uh, of course, we'll all get to see them, if not physically, then virtually. So lovely that we could revisit this trip down our older sessions of MHS and have a glimpse into what's going to happen this year this year at our festival and now in order to save time we have very little time left and this book is so engaging but I can give a little tidbit here which yeah. is that we may be setting up some sessions online soon before the festival in conversation with authors and we can't give too much away because details aren't finalized but perhaps we'll have a more in-depth conversation about this book for you very soon. But for Are now, you trying to say that the listeners have to stay tuned? They have to stay tuned <laughs> to us and then to whatever this mysterious new venture is. Okay. And uh, also, they can post their reviews, their opinions, their comments on our website, which is www.valueofwords.org. We'd actually really love to hear what you have to say about the books that we've received this year. They're very good books. And... So therefore, without much further ado, here we introduce the Absent Dialogue, Politicians, Bureaucrats and the Military in India by Anith Mukherjee, published by Oxford University Press. And um, just to sort of introduce this book, the Absent Dialogue, which is the title here, is talking about the lack of conversation between this nexus of the bureaucracy and the military and politicians. And the civil control, actually, over the civilian control over the military, which is typically hailed as a great success of Indian democracy because you don't traditionally find this in post-colonial society, especially that there should be this sort of control over the military. 
that success may be in fact self-congratulatory in tone without being effective for its military is the very compelling argument that Anit Mukherjee makes here. And uh, as I said, we'd love to discuss it further, but we're just going to read a short excerpt. This is from the chapter, The Best of Intentions, Defense Planning in India, which is the seventh chapter. It introduces a variety of, it's, I would say, a history of how defense planning has begun, faltered, begun again. <laughs> but uh, here's Nidhi reading yeah, So I will take up this little excerpt from 1962-1972. The first plans take shape. The defeat of the Indian Army in the 1962 China War led to a number of far-reaching changes, including in defense planning. During the war, in a clear departure from its non-aligned policy, India requested military aid from the United States. To understand India's security needs, a number of American defense delegations came to India and toured different military installations. One of its preconditions for military aid was that India needed to formulate a proper defence plan. As a result, a 5,000 crore 5-year defence plan was formulated in 1964. However, the first defence plan was not properly deliberated and was just a compilation of the annual projections made by the three services. In 1965, a planning cell was established in the MOD to be headed by an additional secretary equivalent to a three-star general. According to K. Subramaniam, this was done at the behest of Prime Minister Lal Bahadur Shastri, who was of the view that defence planning was a neglected subject. This office was meant to coordinate the plan with the wider aspects of development planning, maintain constant liaison with the Planning Commission and other ministries, and to ensure that such of the constituents of the development plan as have a bearing on the defence effort are given appropriate priorities. Designating an additional secretary exclusively for defence planning was indicative of the importance that was purportedly given to this issue. However, although the organisational chart incorporated this position, no official was appointed and in 1968, the additional secretary post was abolished. So again, as I said, it's that interesting and this goes on, uh, he continues until I think he concludes around 2018 and the current moment. And so, as we said initially, it is very much about the the beginning, you know, the halting beginning every time to establish patterns of communication, to establish better patterns of cooperation between these allied services, what should be allied services. And uh, so that was very interesting. Nidhi, what did you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I might just have to read the whole book to understand. You might just. And then, as with our listeners, we encourage you also to go <laughs> to the website and leave a review. So that was uh, Anit Mukherjee's The Absent Dialogue and we have to wrap up now but in conclusion I have one Nelson Mandela quote so again. Do I. you have one I Yes. So mine is um, because this book also sort of reminded me of this after climbing one great hill one only finds that there are many more hills to climb which is true one would have thought at the moment of independence <laughs> you know, magically things resolved but I think this kind of dialogue around the post-colonial situation in India how we can actually improve many of these remnants that are left over from imperialism unchecked um, how we can fix those things how and the first start to that is to converse about them so to make it a present dialogue is another hill to climb but I'm sure we'll be able to do it and I'm looking forward to it so I'll wrap up the show with a quote from Nelson Mandela once again I quote 
What counts in life is not the mere fact that we lived. It is what difference we have made to the lives of others that will determine the significance of the life we lead. I unquote. So it just does not depend on your success. Absolutely. The measure of your own success is is the measure of the improvement you can make in other people's lives. In other people's lives. So Uh, on that note, again, a spiritual note, of course, since Nidhi's involved, spiritual, idealistic, and I think, as we said in the beginning, what we need to hear right now, perhaps. Yes. So let's meet our listeners once again. Same place, same connect.